A reading from the book of John. Early on the first day of the week, when it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. She ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the, linens, the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went to the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. When Suzanne, my wife, and I first attended seminary in Austin, Texas, we were quickly introduced to cicadas. Now, if you don't know what they are, they look like giant flying roaches. They're awful looking. They have big bulging eyes. They have six stick-like legs with sharp little claws. And when we walked up to the home where we would be living while attending seminary, for the very first time, we were gre greeted by these giant flying bugs as they dive-bombed us on the way from our car into the front door of the house. They were everywhere in Austin. Mostly you only heard them though, but sometimes you'd find them on the ground. Brown, still, and lifeless, the cicadas, they looked dead. But if you look closely, you could actually see that there was a miracle that had occurred. Rather than being dead cicadas, every one of them had a neat little slit in the back where a new radiant living creature inside of it had climbed out of its old clothes and vacated the premises, taking with it out of that hard burial chamber new legs, new eyes, and new wings for taking flight. And at night, the audio landscape would fill the air with their high-pitched song like crickets on steroids, celebrating their newness with song and flight, forgetting all about their old residence, not even remembering where they had left their old clothes. That's all the disciples see when they arrive at the tomb where Jesus had been buried, a pile of clothes, an empty shell, and a pile of clothes. 
Mary hadn't even seen that much yet. She simply saw that the stone had rolled away, been rolled away, and that was too much. She assumed uh, that the body of her beloved friend and teacher had been taken, and that anguish heaped upon all the trauma that Mary Magdalene and all the others had experienced just days before. It was just too much. John says that none of them actually understood what was really going on. They checked things out, but they didn't get, they didn't get it. The gospel says, Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the, old, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. What an odd moment that is. Peter saw clothes and emptiness. The beloved disciple saw the same. And the gospeler John writes that he didn't understand either, but yet he still believed. It makes you wonder exactly what was it that this beloved disciple believed. Probably not that Jesus had actually been raised from the dead because the very next sentence in the story is that the disciples returned to their homes. That's it. No shouts of praise, no dancing, no celebrating, just they all go back home. All of them except Mary, that is. She stays behind and the story once again becomes hers. She's crying, she's distressed, she's re-experiencing all those feelings of desperation and powerlessness as her beloved teacher was brutalized and executed on the cross. This year, as I read this part of the passage, I couldn't help but connect it. I couldn't help but connect emotionally what Mary Magdalene was feeling to what uh, the witnesses in the Derek Chauvin case, the, the police officer in Minneapolis, what they must have been feeling when they were testifying in his trial as they saw talked as they talked about how they saw George Floyd slowly executed right in front of them. I saw and I heard witnesses relive that trauma in the courtroom as they expressed the, their feelings of distress, of powerlessness, of sorrow and guilt that they felt that day. This is the emotional space and place that Mary is in as she stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she courageously bent over to look inside the tomb, to look past her tears. And what she sees is something amazing. She sees two angels in white where Jesus's body had been lying, one at the head and one at the foot. But perhaps because there are still too many tears in her eyes, she's completely unfazed by what she's seen even when the angels start to talk. And although Mary cannot connect yet the dots, it's clearly a process for her. The first readers of John, though, they would certainly have recognized the image of the two angels on this stone slab. It would have brought to mind, it would have, in, it would have sparked in their imagination the ancient Ark of the Covenant. For those of you who may need a little bit of reminding, the Ark of the Covenant was where the Ten Commandments and a golden pot of manna 
and Aaron's rod were stored and carried uh, by the Israelites in the desert. God commanded Moses to build it with very, very detailed instructions in the book of Exodus while the Israelites were still camped in the Sinai Desert after they fled slavery in Egypt. And spiritually, there was practical purposes for this ark, but spiritually, the ark was the manifestation of God's physical presence on earth. And if you're wondering what the ark looked like according to those detailed instructions in, in Exodus, this is what it looks like. And this is what Mary is seeing in this tomb today, this image. And so through her grief, Mary can't yet take in the profundity of the scene. She can't yet grasp God's presence. In John's gospel, resurrection consciousness doesn't emerge immediately. The stone is rolled away slowly, and there are signs along the way. Still in anguish, she turns from the tomb, and suddenly she encounters whom she assumes to be the gardener. She doesn't recognize who it is at first. Still too many tears, too much trauma, too many feelings of loss. It is only when he speaks her name that she finally recognizes her beloved friend and rabbi, Jesus. You can feel her heart fill, with, fill up with hope. Jesus then lovingly tells her to not hold on to him. Jesus' living presence, it can't be contained by a tomb. It can't be contained in an ark, nor can it be limited by our expectations or needs. Instead, Jesus is to take flight, to fill the air with the sweet music of new life and possibility all around us. Jesus will show up four different times after his death in John's Gospel. And every time that he pays a visit to his friends, they become stronger. They become more hopeful, more capable, more tenacious, more aware, kinder, and more daring. Every time Jesus comes to them, they become more like him. For me, the Easter story really begins when the gardener speaks the name Mary. And she, in turn, recognized that it was the voice of Jesus. For me, that is where the miracle begins and continues to happen today, not in the mystery and in the darkness of some grave, but when Christ speaks to us in a moment or speaks to us in a situation or a relationship or in a community, and we begin to recognize that we are having an encounter with the living Christ, one sign, one image, one word, one act of newness at a time. The stone is rolled away slowly. And this is where I am this year. And perhaps you are too with Mary Magdalene, as we see a possible end to this destructive pandemic on the horizon and see glimmers of justice and economic recovery and physical reconnection, as we see all those in front of us, we, we're still grieving, we're still experiencing 
loss. We're still traumatized by everything that has happened over the last months, over the last year, over the last centuries, but still, still present. We're still searching, still inquiring, still engaging like Mary Magdalene, not running away, not going back home, but looking beyond all the dead cicada shells on the ground and instead trying to tune into that beautiful music of possibility that fills the air above our heads, becoming more and more hopeful, opening up more and more to resurrection consciousness a little a little at a time doing the slow roll and for me that's enough amen